powered by Clear Vision Development Group. This is Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast. Each week, we'll provide you with top business insights, fresh perspectives from world-class guests, and the tools you need to lead better than before. And now, here's your host, author and business coach, Tony Richards. Welcome to Better Than Before. I'm your host, Tony Richards, and today, a fantastic program lined up for you. I've got as my special guest, Michael O'Brien from the Peloton Coaching Network, and Michael has the most amazing story that you've ever heard, and I want you to stand by because you're going to want to hear what he went through, what he did to to, uh, get out of it, and what he's doing today to help other people. It's just a fantastic, wonderful, inspirational story of his life. That's Michael O'Brien. He's coming up here in just a second. And also today, I want to talk to you about the eight key areas for elite performers. And we started talking about these before the whole COVID crisis happened. So we're going to pick back up with that with number five. We're going to talk about finances and economics uh, coming up on the Better Than Before show. And it's brought to you by University Subaru. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. The 2020 Subaru Crosstrek. It comes with standard symmetrical all-wheel drive, plus an economical 33 miles per gallon. And the Crosstrek has the lowest five-year cost to own in its class for three years running, according to Kelly Blue Book. Love is out there. Find it in a Crosstrek. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. See dealer for details. Are you working twice as hard but enjoying fewer rewards? Maybe you're highly accomplished, but you just can't seem to break through and make the next big move. Or you run a business that has begun to grow stagnant. It doesn't have to stay that way. Even the best leaders have felt as if their careers were spiraling out of control. But that's when they had to lead and lead big. Tony Richards' new book, The Big Idea, 52 Ways to Be a Better Leader Now, will help launch you forward in leadership. Learn how to take charge and lead yourself, lead others, and lead your company. Purchase online today at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and our website, clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to Better Than Before. I'm your host, Tony Richards, and today I'm welcoming Michael O'Brien to the program. He is the Chief Shift Officer at Peloton Executive Coaching, and he helps leaders prevent bad moments from turning into a bad day. He shared his personal transformational last bad day story and leadership advice on the TEDx stage with Fortune 500 companies, Entrepreneur, Fast Company, Real Simple, ABC, and NBC and various others. Michael, so glad to have you today. Tony, thanks for having me. I've been looking forward to our conversation all day, so I'm excited that we're finally here and we get to uh, connect and chat. Yeah, you bet. Hey, Chief Shift Officer, that's a new one on me. Tell me about how you got that title. 
Yeah, that's a little bit of a tongue twister. So, hey, when you run your own company, you get to call yourself whatever you want. And so yes. for me, my big day, my big moment was a shift in perspective on how I looked at life and looked at my career. And so today I tried to do that with other executive leaders to give them a shift in perspective to help them write a new script. So I figured instead of calling myself president or founder or CEO, I'll come up with chief shift officer, a little play on like my whole experience. So uh, yeah, that's how that came about. You bet. I love it, man. Listen, uh, I know the last bad day is kind of a turning point in your life. And I want to talk about that, but tell me a little bit about your life before the last bad day. Yeah, I grew up like a pretty normal kid, suburbia, suburbia in upstate New York outside of Rochester. And I was really motivated to leave Rochester because I was sick of the winters. I went to school in Virginia and, and I was following the script. I thought, you know, us guys had to follow, you know, work hard. I, I wasn't really working as hard as I could in high school, but worked hard enough to go to a good school. And then in college, you work hard, graduate, get a job, meet someone start a family, all that jazz, work your way up the corporate ladder. So I was doing all that, living in D.C. That's where I met my wife, and we started our family there. And I was planning on just climbing that corporate ladder. Like I thought I had to, listening to my Zig Ziglar tapes in my car as I was a early newbie sales rep. And what was happening, though, what was happening behind the scenes or inside was all this hamster wheel spinning, this pursuit of, hey, I'll be happy when, well, that was getting to me. And I was pouring a lot of stress inside. I think a lot of us guys feel like we have to put on the brave face as providers for families, as leaders in our companies. And we put our body armor on, our mask on, and we push a lot of our stress inside. We try to repress it. I didn't know how to release it. I never was really taught how to. and we've eventually moved from DC to New Jersey. I took on a bigger job. So it offered a lot to the family, but it also took on a lot more stress. So I kept on packing it down and packing it down. And then eventually I had my last bad day and I got the stuffing knocked out of me. And that was a big moment to say, Hey, you know what? I'm going to shift my perspective on how I live and how I manage my career. So I want our audience to kind of lean in now. And Michael, I want you to tell them what happened on your last bad day. Well, I was at a company offsite, typical offsite that many of your listeners have probably been to in their careers. You fly out on Monday, you fly back on Friday, and in between, they try to torture you with PowerPoint and team building exercises and all that jazz. And I decided to bring my bike out to New Mexico. I wanted to cross New Mexico off the states I've ridden my bike. And I did that, but on the fourth lap, of that morning, I came around to bend and a Ford Explorer had crossed fully into my lane, Tony, going about 40 miles an hour and hit me head on. And I remember everything about that morning, the sound I made as I came into his front grill. I didn't have enough time to move. The whole thing was surreal. I thought certainly he saw me, he would move, he'd swerve out of the way. He never did. And I didn't, I couldn't swerve fast enough myself. I remember the sound of me hitting his windshield, popped a hole through it. When people go to my website, they can see the damage I put forth on that Ford Explorer. It's a little bit of a badge of honor that I have. And then I was knocked unconscious. And I, when I regained consciousness, I knew 
I knew my life was in the balance, but I did what another cyclist can only do. I asked the question that only another cyclist can truly appreciate. I was trying to cut the tension in the moment with a little, little humor. And I asked, hey, how's my bike? And they just looked at me, Tony, and they're like, your bike's fine, sir. You got to focus on you. And when they said that, I knew, I knew things were pretty grim. And I just was holding on and they put me on the medevac to fly me to Albuquerque, the only trauma one center in the state. And when they did, I made a commitment to myself, a little bit of a bargain that if I lived, I would stop chasing happiness because that's what I was doing. I thought I'd be happy when I got promoted, made more money, had all those external merit badges that we try to go after in sort of a materialistic sense. And I caught some of them. They made me happy for a bit, but then they vanished. And I went back to chasing. I went back on that hamster wheel. And I knew if I got another crack at this, I had to shift my perspective on how I was living my life and managing my stress and just my overall perspective of my career. So what, what was the catalyst then that sparked you making the shift? Well, it was interesting because when I made that promise, hey, I'm going to stop chasing happiness. When I came out of the ICU and I was on a ventilator and strapped down in, in my ICU bed for several days, heavily medicated. I don't remember anything about those days at all. And when I came out, the doctor started painting this picture of a lot of dependency, pain and suffering, more surgeries. They told me, hey, the guy that hit you had a revoked license. Should have never happened in the first place. He shouldn't have been driving. So instead of like stop chasing happiness, I got really angry. I got bitter. I was like, why do good things happen to bad people. And then one of my mentors called and said, hey, you know what, Michael? I was having a sort of a down moment. I was playing the victim. And early on, I played the victim pretty well. And he said, you know, all the events in your life are neutral until you label them. And at first, I didn't know what he was getting at. I was like, what is that? Some like Star Wars thing, this Jedi <laughs> mind trick thing? He goes, nothing has meaning until you give it meaning. And right now, you're giving this accident the meaning that Life is unfair, and sometimes it is, but you're the victim, and that's a label you're choosing. You can choose a different label if you want to. And he said, I have a bunch of labels you can choose from, but you have to pick it. And for me, that was an opening, that this whole concept that we go where our eyes go, that I had to shift my perspective, shift, shift my vision, so I could see other things. And for me, what I started to realize is that, you know what, once you lose your health, once you're in the hospital for a long time, all you want is your health back. And I really wanted the ordinary. I just wanted to be the best husband I could be, the best father I could be, good friend, good person, figure out if I could do those things, the rest of it would take care of itself. And so my vision became bigger than me. And that helped me start to shift my perspective. I started new routines. I knew I had to get my mind right in order to get my body healthy. So I started working on my mindset more and more. And eventually that helped me get out of my wheelchair, back on my feet, and then out of the hospital. But the journey didn't end then. It just kept on going and going. And each day I was working a little bit harder to make tomorrow better, sort of like beat yesterday type of concept. Um, but that talk that, hey, everything is neutral until you label it. Nothing has meaning until you give it meaning was pretty powerful and that helped me like that was sort of the spark the catalyst if you will to help me shift my perspective onto something bigger than just my little story it was more about how can i show up for the people around me because they needed the best version of michael o'brien that they could get wow that's that's pretty awesome 
Um, I, I'm sure that you're like most of us as we look back on our life. It hasn't really been in a straight line. It's not linear. I'm sure you had uh, ups and downs. What, what, what was the thing that kept you going toward what you wanted? Yeah, I wish, Tony, like it was linear, right? Like it's messy. You know, it's always messy before it gets clean. And God, I had so many moments where I made such progress. And then a complication would happen. Like a, I had one surgery where, a, you know, bone spur came off my leg and started lock, locking my knee. And they went in to fix it, pull it out. And then that became infected. And there I was in the hospital for another week with a major painful surgery and six weeks of IV antibiotics right, right through my chest. It was, it was incredible. And I had some moments where I just cried myself to sleep going back to like, why, why do good, bad things happen to good people? So for me, anytime I got in a funk, anytime I got stuck, I tried to think about the bigger picture. And for me, the bigger picture to get past that resistance was my wife and my girls. I have two daughters. And just knowing that there are other people in my, I'll call it my Peloton, my group of the Peloton is a group of cyclists in a bike race. So they need each other. And I needed people and we all need each other. And the head of my Peloton, the head of my group is my wife. And I knew, you know, she needed the best version of her husband she could get. And so that was part of my mo motivation. So even to this day, anytime I get stuck, I think about others around me others outside of me and that helps me get unstuck you know having that greater purpose i think we all need that and hey it's natural to get stuck it's natural to sort of go inward but when that happens if we can just take a breath hit the pause button if you will reflect a little bit and then find like little things we can do small action baby steps if you will to start focusing in on how we can make a difference in other people's lives that's a great way to get unstuck so if, if I were to ask you to just reflect a little and tell us a little bit about how are you better today than the Michael, the version of Michael that exists today, how is that version better than the Michael before the accident? Oh, that's a great question, Tony. I'll give you two. One, I grew up as a kid, like I had some, you know, tough acne like a lot of kids do like the blemishes and you think everyone's looking at you and you just you look in the mirror and you're like you know you, you don't you don't necessarily like yourself when you're a teenager and you go through that and you just don't think you're enough well through this accident I have some scars that are some doozies that are pretty impressive and at first I went that place that vanity place of like oh my god everyone's looking at my scars I've gotten to the point now some of it's just getting older and some of it's the perspective I've gained through this whole journey is that my scars, my blemishes, my gray hairs, which we all have a few more since this whole coronavirus that we're going through, I think they're wonderful and I think they're beautiful and they tell this wonderful story and I think they tell wonderful stories about all of us, about what we can accomplish as when we go through something tough, that we might get knocked down, but we can get back up again smarter and carry on, pedal forward, if you will. So loving who I am, imperfect as I may be, I'm a better human being because of that. So that's a key thing. The other thing is that I, I now can move out of my bad moments faster.
when I was younger, early in my career, like the littlest things would set me off. I'd get triggered, I'd get upset, you know, classic like guy emotions. And then any other emotions, I would just try to pack them down. Now through this whole thing, you know, if I feel like, like I'm triggered, I, I grab a PBR, the type I talk about, not the path urban type, the pause, breathe and reflect type. And I can like experience that bad moment, but I don't want that bad moment to get any more fuel than it deserves. I don't want it to start to be the tail that wags the dog. So there's less intensity to them and they last not as long. So that I can go back to the things I'm really good at. So often we have bad moments that happen, like a bad meeting on Friday that ruins our weekend or a tough commute that ruins our whole morning. And what I want for people is like, hey, experience those bad moments. Those are a part of life, but don't let them ruin your whole day. Don't let them turn into a bad day. So find a way to hit the pause button, get some perspective and try to shift and take some action that goes, goes truer to your values so you can put forth some goodness in the world, make, it, make the world a little bit better for those around you. You know, uh, people who've listened to this podcast for the last three years or so have heard a couple of my stories. I've a couple of uh, physical uh, life-altering experiences in my life that changed the course of my life a time or two. And of course, nowhere near the intensity of the story that you've shared with us today. But I don't think people understand sometimes that those are great stories and there are stories but you don't really have to have that kind of experience or that kind of story to have change in your life. Right. Absolutely. You know, like, and, and your stories, and I, I'm a big believer, Tony, like we all have our stories and they, they're all equally valuable. That one's not more extreme than the other. Cause we're all going through it. And, and I don't think you have to go through that big, Hey, I got hit by a car or SUV or, a cancer diagnosis or a relationship or, you know, for some others getting sober. Like sometimes like we have these stories in our lives as the extreme, but we've all gone through like tough moments. We've all survived seventh grade. Like we all can have a moment in time to say, okay, here's our chance. So when I talk about having your last bad day, it's that day where you decide, you know what, moving forward, I'm writing my own script. I'm in charge. Like, I'm not going to follow the script that I think society wants me to follow. So having your last bad day to me is not about unicorns and rainbows and like an endless supply of candy, which the candy piece wouldn't be half bad, but the unicorns and rainbows, you know, that's not reality. It's about, hey, I get to have some say in my script. And this moment in time, as we go through 2020 here in the coronavirus, I think can be that pause button for so many people to say, you know what? how we were doing things in the past, some of it was working, but not all of it was. And I'm gonna bring some of it forward. I'm gonna leave some of it behind. And I get to create the open space, write something new going forward, maybe a new approach to my relationships, a new approach to my life and career. And I don't think you need to have a catastrophic moment like we've some of our moments to get there. I think you can just use this moment in time as a real spark to make your shift. Yeah, I think, I think if you can uh, get in touch with your self-awareness and your self-regulation and you understand that there's always 24 hours in a day 
and they all move at the same pace, no matter what it feels like or what it seems like. And if you're just trying to write your script, as you're saying, write your script every day to be the best person that you can possibly be each day at a time. You know, I think that that's a admirable goal for us all to strive for. Now you give me your best thoughts about people. How do they change without going through something like a, a traumatic experience? I think they can use like some of the stories that they hear to say, okay, well, wow, that guy, that guy, gal went through something big. Maybe this is a moment. Maybe it's an invitation, if you will, to say, well, how am I living my life? If that happened to me, what do I think would come of it? How would I look back on my life? What's working, what's not working? And then they can use that story as a spark. I think there's also the need to have the right people in your life, the type of people who bring out the best in you. And sometimes you need someone that's going to be really honest with you to say, hey, you know what? You might have a few blind spots. And I share these blind spots with you because I love you. I care about you so much. Because it's hard to tell people those things. But if you come from a place of compassion to say, you know what? I'm in your corner. I'm on your team. Like, I see this in you. And I want to be there in support, however I can be there in support. So I think that's another way. Um, I think you can also listen to, you know, podcasts like yours, Tony, and others, and also through reading and, and find inspiration just through the common everyday stories. I, I think what's, what makes human beings so wonderful is that we have all these like resilient stories, the people that you wouldn't even know about, like the people like in line at the grocery store next to you. Like we don't have to necessarily chase after celebrity or like social influencers to, for our inspiration and motivation. We have them like in our neighborhoods. And so when we can pick ourselves up from out of our phones and look around, I think there's some beautiful inspirational stories of resilience that we can use to say, hey, you know what? Maybe these are all moments for me to pause and just sort of examine where I am right now and do I need to shift in any particular way to create the type of life I want to create? We're uh, visiting with Michael O'Brien, the chief shift officer at Peloton Executive Coaching, and she's sharing some absolutely wonderful gems with us today. Michael, I got a couple of rapid fire questions I'm going to shoot your way. All right. The beads of sweat are falling <laughs> down my forehead, Tony, but I am, I am ready for you. Michael, you're going to do great here. What's the best memory that comes to mind for you? I would say the birth, the two births of my daughter, you know, like those days, like the both, like they actually, they weren't days or they were evenings. They did something to me that I can't really explain, you know, um, to see the strength in my wife and the courage and they come out into the world like, Hey, in that moment, the world changes. The first, our first daughter, you know, she's going to graduate here on Sunday. So I don't know how those 22 years flew by so fast. And then we have another one in college, but the birth of both of my daughters, something I will, I hope I'll never forget. Who's the number one hero in your life? Oh, I would say my wife. So she's, what's her name? Her name is Lynn. So she, oh. She does incredible work. She's a labor coach. So she works with couples who want to have, who want to have babies. And I think, you know, bringing life into this world is, I think, is 
is exciting and takes courage and vulnerability and all that. But, you know, here we are, like, we, you know, you take your vows and on Thursday, we'll be married 26 years. And you take your vows and you, you know, the vows are sort of written in a way that like life is going to be perfect, you know, in sickness and in health. And you think it will always be in health. And then something happens, you know, your husband goes for a bike ride and gets hit by an SUV and your world gets turned upside down. So you don't have health anymore and you're in sickness and that tests every relationship and how she held our family together, held our girls together. And it was a moment that strengthened our partnership. Like to me, um, she's, she's, as I would say, awesome sauce. Like she's, she's my hero. She's the head of my Peloton. What's the top value you subscribe to? I would say right now in this moment, kindness, because I think we need a lot of kindness, throw in some patience. I'll probably add resilience. Those three come to mind, especially as we're living through this one particular moment in time. Who's the most important person in your life? I would say this is going to be a little bit of a different one, Tony. I would say not from an egotistical perspective, but it would be me that I have to have a good relationship with myself. I have to have a good conversation with myself, put my own oxygen mask on first so I can be there to serve others. So if I know if I can't see myself fully, if I can't fully appreciate all my imperfections that I'm perfectly imperfect, then it's hard to help others. It's hard to show up in the way that I want to show up with others. So not from an ego perspective, making it all about me, but I know that, you know, we all start with hopefully internal focus on how we can be better so we can shape other lives. So I would say probably the relationship I have with myself to start. Great answer. What about your favorite thing? Oh, it's got to be my bike. I fell in love with a bicycle when I had my first ride without training wheels. I was the last kid on my block off of training wheels. And in that moment, I thought I could go anywhere. I had freedom. I could go places without my parents. And to this day, because I eventually got back on the bike and I'm still racing, that um, I feel like I can go anywhere on my bike. It's my chance to explore, my chance to think. It's one of my health breaks. So I love my bikes. I probably have too many. By some, some people's perspective, I probably have too few from another person's perspective. <laughs> so. What's your favorite food? Oh, I could eat burritos like every day from now until whenever, um, you know, the good Lord takes me. What's the most beautiful place you've been to? Morocco. That was just absolutely gorgeous. We went there uh, during my oldest daughter's study abroad. Uh, the Sahara Desert oh, it was incredible. When I talk about a sandcastle territory. It was it was magical and the sun and the moon. Yeah, I, I wish I could go back. Probably will never go back, but if we could go back one day, that'd be really great. If you could describe success in one word, what would the word be? I would say joy. How do you want to be remembered? That I help people see the beauty within themselves. If you could go back and talk to a young Michael, what would the advice be? 
breathe more. What's your favorite sound? The sound of shifting gears on my bike. <laughs> and finally, what's the best lesson you've learned? When the going gets tough, the tough get going. I learned it from my my little league coach when I was 10 years old. It's my favorite quote. It's the one that stay with, stays with me and to this day. So I think as a nation, as a planet, the going's tough. Time for the tough to get going. Michael O'Brien, Chief Shift Officer at Peloton Executive Coaching. Michael, I've had a really good time today. I love your story, love your message, and I love you. Why don't you tell people how they can find out more about you? Well, right back at you, Tony. It was a great conversation. Love what you're doing. Love your message. The best way to reach me, everyone, is michaelobrienshift.com. One place discovery from there. You can learn about my books and sign up for my blog and uh, check me out on social media. We can connect and have a conversation. All right, Michael. Listen, thanks for the time today. I really appreciate you doing this. Thanks, Tony. The 2020 Subaru Crosstrek. It comes with standard symmetrical all-wheel drive, plus an economical 33 miles per gallon. And the Crosstrek has the lowest five-year cost to own in its class for three years running, according to Kelly Blue Book. Love is out there. Find it in a Crosstrek. University Subaru. Homegrown and proud of it. See dealer for details. Receive weekly coaching tips from Tony Richards, delivered straight to your inbox. Whether you're a CEO or an entrepreneur, Tony can help you reach your goals and give you a competitive edge within your industry. Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo covers topics ranging from leadership development to teamwork to company culture and more. Text the word leadership to 38470 to sign up for Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo or sign up online at clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to Better Than Before. We've been talking about the eight keys of, of a great life for elite level performers. They typically focus on eight particular areas of their life. And it's been a while since we talked about this, so let's review what the eight are. Number one is your inner life. And we've been talking about that the last couple of weeks. We've been talking about you know, the science of achievement and the art of fulfillment, that's all your inner life, right? Your physical health is number two. Number three is your family and your relationships. Number four is your career, your business, your platform that you use to make a living. Number five, which we're going to talk about today, is finances and economics. Number six is your circle of influence. Number seven is a sense of adventure and a lifestyle that you like to live. And number eight is your influence, your impact, and your legacy. These are all eight key areas that elite level performers that I have had the pleasure of coaching really focus on. And we focus on whichever area needs to focus at that time. And I've coached a lot of um, elite level performers in the area of uh, finance uh, because 
you know, a lot of times we aren't really taught or trained about how to handle our money. And I think it was Robert Kiyosaki who really made a strong brand for himself talking about the two dads that he had. He said he had a, a poor dad and he had a rich dad and his poor dad uh, never taught him about how to handle money. He learned all that from his rich dad. And so um, there are certain financial laws that you can follow. We learned about this in the science of achievement, right? If you learn the principles and you learn the laws of any particular area, if you follow those and you're repetitive with them and you get better at them, repetition builds skill. And so as you do that, well, then you can accumulate, you can leverage, you can get results in that area. So the first law of financial excellence that we need to know is that we always need to do more than what we're being compensated for. And I've heard many people, and I'm sure you have too, say, well, I'm not doing any more than I'm getting paid for. I'm going to try to do the least amount that I can for what I'm making. And that is the exact wrong way to try to create any kind of financial leverage or result. Because when you do more than what you're paid to do, that's simply called, and we talk about this all the time, creating value. The value is what goes beyond what you pay for and what you're being compensated for. And I'll tell you, it is lonely out there on the extra mile. It's lonely out there on the extra mile, but that is where all the great results are. That's where champions play. That's where uh, people always do more than it's expected, right? If someone asks you to go a mile with them, go two. So that extra mile is the value. And you always wanna be a value creator, not a money counter, right? You don't wanna sit there and always be counting your money. You wanna be always creating more and more value. Number two, offer new solutions to old problems. When you're in a company and they've been having a issue for quite some time and you're the one that comes up with the answer to it, they immediately get a lot of value on that. They, they'll immediately say, do you know how long we've been struggling with this? Thank you so much for helping us solve that issue. And the other thing is, if you're gonna solve problems, you have to know that you're gonna mess up, you're gonna make mistakes. Temporary defeat is part of the process. You're gonna have setbacks, but you have to stay with it, right? And the marketplace will always reward value. You know, when FedEx first came out, they were uh, launched with this concept of overnight delivery, when it absolutely positively has to get there overnight. How long had people struggled with how to get something somewhere overnight at a particularly good rate of fee, right? But they offered a new solution to the old problem of getting something there the next day. Number three, fierce focus on a few things. And that's simply having the right priorities. There are just too many ways to be distracted today. There's too much going on and there's too much drama and trauma associated with it. So 
you know my tool for this. If you've listened for any length of time, if you're a brand new listener, I'll repeat it here. Every day you need to have five things written down that are going to make a dent, that are going to move the needle, that are going to move you forward. And you need to do those few things very, very well. You need to be a rock star around those five priorities every single day. Number four, rather than thinking about starting, just start. Successful people start. What is Sam Walton if he never started, right? If he never would have gotten going, he would still be thinking about launching a company called Walmart. You don't have to be great to start, but you have to start to be great. And a lot of people get stuck in the trap of thinking about starting and thinking about starting. And there needs to be a certain amount of strategic thinking, but put a cap on it, put a limit on it, move forward and get started. Number six, you need to do good. Or number five, sorry, I'm not number five. Number five, your environment shapes your behavior. You need to put yourself in an environment where you can be around the best. Surround yourself with people who are positive and focus on opportunities. Go visit a place as a guest, go to a restaurant, go to a place that you know people will be there that you need to be around, right? The people who, the people who are in your immediate circle may be the people who have gotten you here where you are today, but they may not be the people that are going to get you there where you need to go tomorrow. Number six, you need to do good. You need to have integrity. You need to take no shortcuts. Don't go for the cash grab. Uh, don't think, oh, I can, I can make some money right now with that. Um, the best people stay true to themselves and their mission, their why, their vision, their where. Do the best good you possibly can. Number seven, have a singular focus and a main aim. Have yourself a single statement about how much finance you need, how much money you will have. What are you going to do with it? I asked a question in the Facebook group uh, last night. If you want a million dollars tomorrow, what's the first thing you would do? And so you have to envision what you're going to do with the money when it comes into your hands or else it'll slip right through your fingers. You'll have a leaky bucket. You'll be putting money hand over fist in the bucket and it'll be leaking out the bottom. If you don't have some systems in place, if you don't have some focus as to what you're going to do with it and where you're going to put it. Like one time, um, and I still have this, but I had a bank account at a bank in which I had no debit card and I had no checks. So I had no way to immediately get to that money if there was an emergency or more, more likely if I had a spending uh, urge come on me, right? You ever have that urge come on you? And then you feel after you made the purchase, you feel absolutely horrible. It's called buyer's remorse. So I had, I had a bank account set up with a bank that I would go through the drive-through and I would make deposits and I would just let that money go like I didn't have it. 
and I just would do that. I would just keep putting money in there every week if possible, but not have any access to it, not have a debit card, not have a check. So that was my vault where I just saved the cash and I'm not going to, not going to, you know, blow it or get to it or spend it. Right. So you want to put it somewhere where you can get to it if you have to, but not, uh, in like a, oh, I just got to buy that. Well, gee, I have some money over here. I could use to spend that. Number eight, be patient and persistent. Life's timing and your timing sometimes are not in sync or alignment. So you have to keep focused on any opportunity that comes your way and keep a resolve to be patient and persistent. If we are not weary in well-doing, we shall reap a harvest, right? Number nine, you got to block out the critics. Lock out the negative voices. You know, there are people that actually do not like people who have money. If you have financial resources, did you know that there are people who will actually flip the bird to people if they see them driving a certain car? They'll be at a stoplight, and if someone's driving a particular upscale automobile, it just makes them mad. They'll just want to give them the bird. They'll want to flip them off. They'll roll down the window and say expletives. Um, there are people who feel guilty because they have financial resources. And so they make up for it in crazy kind of ways. So you got to get away from the negative voices that belong to people who don't understand finances, who don't feel guilty about finances and who don't resent finances. You have to build your circle of people around you. Uh, who can help you and propel you and be a positive force for you and help you develop your strong inner self and inner core. And so you're not buying into their insecurities around money. And number 10, always put people first. It's about helping people, which is the best way to add value or create value. It's where we started with number one. How can you do the most for people? How can you leverage your expertise, your talents, your gifts, your skill sets to help folks? It isn't going to, well, you, you know, and I can hear it in your mind. It's like, well, if I give things away and I help people that way and I don't charge for it, how am I ever going to get money? Listen, you can, the more you give away, the more things are going to come to you. I know this. I've tested this. I've, I've tested this theory many, many times and it always works out. Be a giver first, a receiver second and help people. And it always works out. Here's a couple of action steps you can take around finances. Number one, develop a couple of bank accounts. I talked to you about that. You want to take 10% of your earnings and put it into savings. Uh, you want to live off the 90%. <clears throat> you want to have money for growth. You want to have money for investments. You want to have money to buy things or go on trips. We're going to talk about this when we get to your lifestyle, but you want to have some money set aside for fun. Number two, you need a financial discussion partner. We talked about this. You need to find someone that you can meet with from time to time to talk about your priorities and what it is you want to do in your financial life 
and have somebody that can help you in that area. Number three, you need to develop a vision board. You need to cut out pictures of things that you want that financial excellence will help you achieve. And once you get that vision board put together with pictures, that's a, it's a pictorial vision of what you want your life to be. You need to look at it every day. It's going to start honing your focus around those things. It's going to activate your reticular activation system. It's going to start to increase your excitement and your conviction. And you're going to be the most sold out person to your vision that there is. Number four, we talked about this briefly, but you need to record your vision. Uh, in the interview, um, in a, we got coming up with Tamala Apple next week. She's going to talk to you about some of the powerful things that she did to get out of depression. And one of them was writing things down. So you need to record your vision. You need to get it down on paper. You need to read it to yourself at least twice a day in the morning, in the evening, and, and do it several times a day, right? But at least the minimum is at least twice a day. So those are some ideas around finances that you can use to be an elite level performer. You're going to be dealing with finances because you're going to, the more your performance shifts into higher levels and into elite levels, you're going to be compensated more. And if you've never been at those compensation levels, you don't want to get into hyperconsumption. Hyperconsumption is where you increase your spending with the amount you're making. So, you know, at 50,000 a year, you're spending X. When you go to 80,000 a year, you spend X and it always goes up in proportion to what you're making. You go out, you get a better car, you raise your car payment. You go out, you get a better house, you raise your house payment. You get a credit card or two. Um, and you need to fight against that. You need to keep your spending levels back at the 50 while your salary or your compensation increases to 80. And you need to do some of the things I talked about in this podcast to help you conserve cash, leverage cash, and invest cash, right? So those are some thoughts around financial excellence in an area for an elite level performer today on Better Than Before. We are brought to you by University Subaru. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. You need to pay those guys a visit. Check them out online. You can follow us on Twitter at Tony Richards 4 and ClearVision DEV. Uh, I have a free Facebook group I'd like to invite you to join. All you have to do is go there and hit the like button. It's Tony Richards, speaker, author, coach. And we have great discussions. We try to post three or four really great things in there every day to keep our members inspired and challenged. And we want to invite you to come over and be a part of it. On behalf of our associate producer, Whitney Coker, and our chief producer, William Foster, I wish you a wonderful day today. I'm your host, Tony Richards, and I want to remind you that everything gets better when you get better. Thank you for listening to Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast powered by Clear Vision Development Group. For more resources from Tony, visit clearvisiondevelopment.com. Join us next time for another episode of Better Than Before with Tony Richards.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.